you, ladies and gentlemen. And here's our featured speaker, Freeman. Next time I'll just warm up for her. I think she does one thing up job there. You know, kind of proud of that. I don't know Because that's my daughter. And uh, my wife didn't understand that when I said, that's pretty good. I think it's pretty good to have my daughter going to be the warm up for me. And she kind of looked at me. I know, that's kind of crazy to think with, you know, she's an alcoholic and I'm an alcoholic. She can warm up for me. But I said, another alcoholic could probably understand that. You know, yeah, that's pretty cool, you know. But, uh, if she keeps blaming me, I'm going to tell her that she's adopted. You know. Anyway, like I said, I'm, I'm an alcoholic, and that's why I'm here, because you know, I was never all there. You know, I just never was all there when I was young. I just couldn't keep up. You know, I just couldn't keep up with anything, but I couldn't understand anything, but I just couldn't, uh, couldn't hang with it. You know, I couldn't hang with what they were trying to teach me in school. I couldn't, uh, you know, I had 27 F's, and there's only 24 squares. Now I know, you know, one of them stood for Freeman, but they don't know what the other two were for. You know, and that always kind of bothered me, you know, that, that, that you know, I, I thought I was unteachable for all those years, you know, I just couldn't, uh, I just couldn't get it. Because when he was talking and she was talking, you know, I could tell you how many panes were in the window, how many squares were in the ceiling, you know, how many birds were outside. You know, they got a saying now, you know, if you want to keep out of trouble, keep your butt and your mind in the same place at the same time. And and I had that problem. See, my butt was in there and my mind was out there. And I do that once in a while when I'm driving. You know, I'll be driving and, you know, your butt's in the car and your mind's out there. You guys know what I'm talking about. You're driving down the road, some little thing walks by and bam, that's what happens. So you got to keep them together, and then that's, that's, that's what AA has been teaching me, is trying to keep those two things together. Keep myself, you know, my butt and my mind in the same place at the same time where I actually can hear stuff. You know, I was sharing with a guy, I call him this a lot the other day, and see how he's doing, you know, and he, uh, I told him a few things during the course of our time that I've known him, like six or, six or seven months, and he says stuff to me sometimes, I know he's been listening. You know, that's the spider. A lot of people I know, they just say, yeah, yeah, and they're not listening. He could tell me some things that I told him, because I told him a few things I don't tell everybody else. I tell him personal stuff, you know. And um, it's kind of nice to be able to talk to him, you know, during the day, and he'll call me if he has a problem or whatever. And it's good to know I don't have to answer his problems. I just, I just listen. And then, and he you knows he gets his own answers. Anyway, I started thinking, he you know, asked how it was, you know, you know, the experience here, my experience was, it wasn't a good experience. <laughs> it wasn't a good experience at all. I mean, it was, it was kind of fun in the beginning. You know, you get a few laughs. You get to, you know, you get over to see your buddy and have a few beers and sneak around because they're obviously underage when you're starting at 16 years old, you know, or however old it was I started, maybe 13, 14. But by the time I was 16, I was probably full-blown out the hallway by that time. But, you know, started young. I know I had a, a large liver by the time I was 16 because I had my, I mean, by 18 because I had my, um, my attendance moved at that time, and the doctor told me, because he said, you're living kind of big there, there's something wrong here. Well, I could have been packing it away, you know, you put away the booze and stuff happens. And uh, so anyway, I started at a young age, and uh, I hear some guys here, they say, well, I'm a level five or something drinking, that means they didn't lose anything, they, 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 they kept money, and they had a car, and houses, and businesses, and stuff. I guess I'm a minus one or something, but I was, like, I was down there, you know, 
I was down there in Wild Park because I, you know, I drank with my dad, my uncle, and that's where they drank. So that's where I drank. You know, and, and yeah, I, I did some of that chapter three stuff. I, I switched from red port to white port once, you know, because shoot, I thought, you know, I thought the red port was giving me too many bloody noses. So I thought, well, if I got the white, that would take longer to change colors. So you know, I, I had a plan. You know, I had that. There was a message in my madness, but it just didn't work. It still turned on me. And then, uh, you know, then you start getting into trouble here and there, and police end up, you know, they, they pick you up down there. They, I, you know, I had a cure for that, too. I just stay home. I started drinking at home, but, you know, as it is, somebody told them where I live, because they started showing up in my door. And you just can't escape them, you know. I don't know what it is, the long arm of the law. But when it comes to drinking and, and, and law, I guess you, alcoholics, you know, I used to have trouble with policemen. Their mothers, their fathers, their wives. I mean, I'd, I'd tell them all about it, man, and, and they'd haul my butt off, too. That'd be getting in my dad's car. I wouldn't go home. And as soon as I woke up, I saw that bag that... I don't know why I talk about the mother. I don't even know her, but you know, it just happened. I just had bad relationships with them and the judges and all those guys. They were after me all the time. You know, and I love it because they tell you, you know, and I read it in a pamphlet too. They say, Indian, you know, I'm a Native American. They say you can't drink. And I, and I say, well, look at my tribe. Check it out. Quite, quite adverse little group I got in my tribe. But, uh, you know, they tell me that I got a few mass in charity. And a few mass in, uh, and so anyway, I got the roll numbers for that, but not for the charity. But, but I will have to admit, I don't think they all get along. Because I used to have some trouble, you know. <laughs> I think they're battling each other sometimes, you know. But, but that's alcohol, you know. You just, it, it, it don't matter what you do or try to do, eventually it's going to turn on you. All that stuff that gave you, all the, all the fun, all the freedom, all the be able to talk to the girls and, and, and dance with them and be able to tell them how beautiful they were. Where I couldn't say nothing before. I just looked at them from a distance, you know. And when I started drinking, man, I, I just started talking, and that was the end of that. I, you know, I woke up, I was uh, I was married with three kids. Still a level one. You know, still a level one, you know. It took a while to climb out of that pit, too. But anyway, that, uh, yeah, I had some fun drinking, and I had, to, I had some experiences, too, and, that, and they weren't all good ones, you know. And then you try to quit. You try to quit, change your life a little bit after you got a couple of ex-wives and, and you got you know, a bunch of wrecked cars and you've been in and out of jail doing life on the installment plan. You know, I'm not a major uh, prisoner type dude that did all that, but you know, you do a weekend, 20 days, 10 days, 5 days, 4 hours, 10 hours. You know, it's far bad enough. So I was born in 7 months, I figured I didn't have no, uh, no patience at all. I couldn't even wait 9 months. I was born in 7, and then I'd always have the days, and I think, well, I'm still ahead of the game, man. You know, I got 15. I've got 15 to the plus. Well, after another 20 day run, then I was 5 minus, wasn't I? So they went the math right out the window, so that didn't work. It was just getting to me, you know, it just kept getting to me. But, um, you know, I say I drank wine, but I, I drank wine. I drink a lot of stuff. I drink beer. But I drink with alcohol. You know, I hear people say this was my drink, but, you know, it, it doesn't matter what you drink. I hear guys say, well, I just drink beer. I just drink beer. Never nothing out. Nothing hard. Nothing. I said, what beer is that in? What's the common denominator? Let's check it all out. Let's find out. Let's check beer, wine, vodka. You know, McCarty, whatever you want, you know, scotch, can, you can throw some stuff out there and see what we got. Alcohol. The common denominator was alcohol. And, 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 and it'll get you. It don't matter if it's just beer. I had a brother that was a full-blown alcoholic just on only. Just on only beer. Tastes like water. Hey, but it'll get you, baby. You drink enough of it, it'll get you. And, um, you know, so I, I drink a variety of stuff, but it was, it was the alcohol that I was after. 
And when I ate, I ate like a drink. When I smoked, I smoked like a drink. I did, I did, I did a full board. I just quit smoking a little while ago. And again, again, I started like three years ago. I started smoking for some dumb reason. I don't, I can't even tell you why. I think it was a decision I made. I got depressed or something. I made a decision. I'm going to die. So I started smoking. It took me three years to get off that stuff. And every time I'd be doing that third step prayer, you know, God, I'm going to, you know, we uh, bear witness, you know, to somebody, you know, so I can quit, you know, I have to go to say the whole prayer going to get to that part. But I kept thinking, you know, oh, how am I going to bear witness to anybody? I can't even quit smoking. I kept praying about it, praying about it. And I kept thinking, well, I'm going to get up in the morning, I'm going to go downstairs, I'm not going to go into the, you know, the outside area where I smoke, I'm going to stop, that's how I'm going to quit, so I'm not going to go out there. Well, it didn't work. I mean, I tried it, you know, and I tried it, it didn't work. So one day I got in the car and I drive my daughter to work and I go, it was 11 o'clock. I go, what the hell? I reached for a cigarette and have any. I had nothing but butts in there. So I always put the butts in there. That's a Native American thing, right? I don't want the litter. So I always throw them in the pack, and I had that pack that just had the butts in it. No cigarettes. So I left them at home. I go, you know what? Screw this. I'll quit right here, right now. And I did. So it was just a you know, mind over matter game that I had to play. I done prayed up for it. I, I prayed and prayed. I did all that stuff. I took some little pills that you're supposed to take. I got some gum from another guy. None of this stuff worked. Well, I just said, when I just got ready, he was ready. I'd already did all the crap. And that's why I drinking, you know. I wanted to quit drinking a long time before I quit drinking. I mean, it, when it became no fun. You know, Bill talks about it. He talks about it. I, I used to talk about it. Then I, I realized, well, he said it first, so let's give him credit for it. I, I used to say, you know, when drinking, you know, when, it quit, when you want to quit and you can't, that's, that's the beginning of hell. That's, uh, that's, like, that's where hell starts. And then when I was reading, you know, Bill's story, because he says it so nicely. He goes, well... You know, when alcohol quits being a luxury and becomes a necessity, well, that's the same damn thing, right? It's the same thing. It means it's no more fun no more. You know, you, you just can't have fun when you, uh, when you got something you're doing that you don't want to do no more. It was like that smoking. It was no more fun for me. It wasn't no pleasure. I, you know, I was just doing it, and, and I couldn't seem to shake it. And the more I couldn't shake it, the worse it got, and the more it bothered me. That's the same with that thing. So anyway, I, I do things for different reasons. I wanted to quit smoking and show my kids I quit smoking so if I wanted to smoke and he could quit smoking. I went down, I was 61 years old, I got my GED to show them that they could graduate also. It was, I was 32 years old when I walked in my first AA meeting. Right? When I tried to get uh, my GED, I was, uh, it was in 1975. Okay? I got drunk. The day I was supposed to go take the test, the day before I got drunk, wound up in jail, because that's what we do before the big day comes, right? We get drunk, stole a pint of whiskey, and off to jail I went. And um, that ended that. 32 years later, that'd be 2008 if you do the math, I went down and got my GED. I went and got it. I got a picture. I got it on the wall. I got it framed right there. That's it. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with the damn thing, but, you know, I got it. But it's just, it just shows that, you know, it, even alcoholics can do stuff. You know, you get sober, you can put your mind to it. But I could never do that drinking. Right? Drinking, I couldn't do that. Drinking, I can wreck cars. I can go to jail, do life on the installment plan. I wreck cars. I get to, I got confused kids. I, I got an older uh, daughter right now, the oldest daughter. What she's out here, not older, but oldest and she, um, to this day, she hears me screaming her loud voice. She's looking for a place to hide. She starts shaking. This is what I've done. This is this is what I've done to my child. I don't know how you make an amends for that. I, I tried making amends, and I, she told me, um, "Wow, she says, Dad, you know, as long as you're sober, that is your amends." She says, "I can call you up day or night. I know where you're at, and you're there." She said, "I could never reach you before." 
I see having a couple of reasons. Uh, my ex-wife, I won't go into talking about her because that's somebody's mother, but uh, she did it. But anyway, it's, uh, you know, we had our time together, and that's that. We have our kids, and, you know, and then I realized, too, I was an alcoholic, so I've done some damage there also. It wasn't all her fault. You know, I did some stuff. And, and you do stuff when you drink. And you just can't love people the way you want to love them when you drink. You know, I, I got a wife right now I love very much. We've been married 26 years. I haven't hit her one time. You know, and, uh, and that don't seem like much to some people, but it means a lot to me. I haven't hit her in 26 years. Doesn't mean I didn't want to kill her. Doesn't mean she wants to kill me. But I never touched her one time, you know. And I'm proud of that thing. But, but it doesn't mean I haven't done any damage either. I'm still an alcoholic, you know. She don't understand me. I definitely don't understand her. I try to talk to her about stuff. It's just, you know, I talked about other stuff. We talked about kids and talked about this and pills and all that stuff. But don't say I talk about drinking stuff. She just don't quite understand it. She'll get a bottle of wine, takes the cork out. She chills she, she the glass. Oh, you're wasting time doing that crap. You know, you can put the thing back in there and the cork back in there, push the bottle away. And then gets the glass, and then goes to set the glass down. I'm watching all this crap, and I just have to leave. I go, do something wrong. So why? I go, why don't you, you know, why are you dirty in the glass? Why are you wasting all this time? And then you realize, you know, she don't have to. She's not an alcoholic. An alcoholic has to do all that crap. She don't have to do that. She never blacked out. And I'll tell you, the weirdest thing I heard the other day, I really wanted to slap this person. I was, we were, and I don't, I'm not a violent man, but I was standing there, and this person said, I'll quote him actually, he said, Oh, I gotta stop, I gotta buzz. What the hell? This is what we live and die for, and you're gonna quit? Because you gotta buzz? I wanted to smack no more. What do you mean, quit? You're getting started, man. But, uh, you know, it was, it was weird. Yeah, you're getting a buzz, and you had to quit drinking. I guess he was a normal person. I don't know where the hell I was, but, you know. But anyway, alcohol just takes you down some weird places, you know. I've had, a, you know, a guy running around my house, and he was a escaped convict with a loaded 38 in his boot, you know, and he wasn't going to go back, you know, go back alive. And i got three young kids. So this is how you treat your family, right? You bring a guy like this home, you kind of spice things up, I guess. I don't know what the hell I was trying to do, but, you know, I know we went to the store to get a fifth of uh, Southern Comfort, and, uh, I don't even like Southern Comfort, but it's kind of sweet. But we would, but it was booted, you know, it had alcohol in it. So I'm going, I'm driving, I'm driving a 65 Chevy Impala. Of course, I look, you know, I look the type, I guess, maybe kind of Picano, you know. And I got the sheriff behind me. He's, he's fine. I'm driving a 65 Impala. I got my, we got the fifth of the goddamn, you know, Southern Comfort. I got this escape convict sitting next to me. He pulls out this pistol. He looked about that long. I don't know, maybe Richard could tell us something what the hell that had been, but it was actually a 357 Magnum, but he looked about that long. He laid it on the seat, and he said, I ain't going back alive, and I'm thinking, oh, shit. You know, they're going to gonna see that gun. They're going to pull this uh, 65 Chevy. He, he wasn't a lowrider, but he looked like one. You know, they're going to fill that thing full of that. They don't care that I'm just a drunk. Wait a minute, I don't carry guns. I'm just an alky, man. That's all I'm doing, trying to get a drink here. They, they would have just shot the heck out of me. And that was the longest two blocks I ever drove in my life. That car would not go faster than 25 miles an hour, and it did not swerve either. It was just straight as an arrow. And he was gone. But anyway, that's, um, but that's kind of little situations. I mean, it's not bad, but I mean, it could have turned out bad. And, and this is what alcohol does. I, I never had that problem, you know, in the last so many years, you know, I just like to have a few 24 hours or whatever. I have not had that problem. 
I haven't had no fleet behind me. I've had no 357s laying on the seat. No Southern Company either. And uh, no escape convicts in the car. I don't have that problem. They pull behind me, it's okay. It ain't bad. It ain't, ain't going to turn out bad because I'm not in a bad spot. I'm not in a bad place because I don't go there. But I don't hang in those places. It's kind of funny when you quit drinking and then do whatever you do in life. That, uh, things change. The people change. The, the, the environment changes and the situations change. You know, I hang around people now. We work on working on my old truck out there today. I had a friend over and said he's a normal guy. Or stuff like that. Or hanging out at Bridge Street with a gang over here. That you know, I'm really glad to say a lot of them showed up here tonight. So, you know, and you know, you go into places like that, talking with people like that that haven't drank in a few years or a few months or, a, or quite a few years. You know, hanging out with a guy like Rick over here, bought me dinner for God's sake. Damn, they put me to sleep over there. So I was going to say, I didn't want to say, hey, I can place there, but I, I thought he's the membership coffee, man. <laughs> I, I needed a cup of good stuff. They give you a cup of coffee, but you know, it's a bust your heart. You can see through it, you know. <laughs> I like my coffee, like my booze, man. I want that shit. I want it, you know, I want it potent. Anyway, you know, so alcohol, it just does what it does, and sobriety does what it does. You know, being sober, I got to meet a lot of characters. Uh, I got a sponsor in uh, Sonoma County there. Uh, he, he's got one of those nicknames, the shoe. You know, they call him the shoe because he, he does horses. His grandfather did horses. His dad did horses. His brother, his brother is, uh, was like a foreman for, uh, or engineer for Bowen's horse, uh, you know, the big chest. You know, he, he knew everything about all the iron. And my sponsor was a farrier. He does, uh, he does horseshoeing. He can make or break a horse. And now he just picks and chooses, you know. And uh, he did horses like he did me. He taught himself to take pictures. He took uh, Joe Montana's wife, took a picture of her, jumping her horse. And then he got to do the fancy people, the, the venues and all that, doing their horse. He got to meet some, uh, you know, up for the up people. So then they get to, you know, things are all good. But he was a good, but he was a good guy. He's the one that he started that meeting called, uh, called Grin and Win. That's where I went. When I got sober, I said I got sober in 81. Well, I got sober in 81, but then I got drunk somewhere along 86 or 87, somewhere in there. I got drunk. And I'll tell you tonight, sometimes when I'm talking, I'll tell people, you know, when you're at a meeting, you know, you said, take what you want and leave the rest. But, but I'm going to tell you, you know, you don't, because you don't have to do this, because alcoholics can't be told what to do. But I'll, I'll tell you, take what you want and take the rest of the share for later. Because what don't apply to you tonight might apply to you down the road. See, the first seven years, I was married, had three kids, and you know, everything was this way. I heard people talking about scab kids and being remarried and having a divorce and all that stuff. Didn't apply to me. And I didn't kick it under the table for later either. I just let it go. I, and then one day I went through a divorce and then I find out stuff's different. Stuff is different out there when you got step kids and you got, it's all different. But that's not why I drink. But actually, it's just quite a challenge. You know, I was hearing the other day about a, Abuse. An abusive person, whether it's a man or a woman. First thing they do is they isolate their, their mate, whom they're going to abuse, from their family. You know, they first say, oh, your mom don't like me, your dad don't like me, they insult me. You know, so we got, can't talk to them guys, right? We get them out of there. Oh, maybe your sister's trying to hit on me or something, so now you can't visit with your sister. You know, and, and then your brother or your friends, you know, they're always just an that no good character assassination. And then next thing you know, you, you're just left alone with them. And the abuser, well, all does the same thing. You don't call your sponsor, you stop going to meetings, you stop praying, you stop reading the book. It's the same thing. 
it gets you isolated, and then it pounces on you. You know, I, I, for some reason I haven't sponsored a lot of people. I don't know why over here. I sponsored up to maybe step four or whatever, and they go on about the business with somebody else. But I've, I've learned to accept that. I have a different role in life, I guess. In my role, sometimes I just talk to different people. I call them, and I talk to myself. Come around or read the book. I don't care if you've been sober, you know, 20 years or 20 days. You know, just get together and, 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 and chat and read it, and, and I'll talk with you. And, and, you know, I can't give you no advice, but I'll give you an option. And I'll always give you another option to look at. I don't know if you talk to me, at least we can always look at something else. You want to get a drink? Come on over, I'll buy you a drink. You don't have to worry about where your next drink's coming from. We'll take that pressure right off you. I mean, I'll, I'll buy it for you. You didn't have to worry. Then we'll just talk about it, you know. But, um, I didn't know where the hell I was going with that, but I, I got an idea. Somewhere down the road there, having to do with Alcoholics Anonymous, I know that, in the, in the Big Book, and the 12 Steps, and God. I'm going to mention all that right now, because so if they don't mention God, the Big Book, 12 Steps, Alcoholics Anonymous, and hey, hey, you're out of here. So I, I got that all mentioned right now. So anyway, when you hear people talking, you know what I heard a man talking the other day, and I don't know why I knew, I knew this guy was working on Step 4, never finished it. Has a sponsor he never calls and he doesn't read the book and he doesn't call people when I do that. I don't know how I do that. I'm not psychic. But you just know by the man's the way to talk, where they're at, because if you don't grow. You know, in this program you gotta grow or you gotta go. Well he left. He's not there no more. Yeah, okay. The other guy, that's what I was gonna talk about. I'll talk to him the other day because I haven't seen him in a while, so I call him up. I'm not gonna call him again. I'm gonna call you one time. And then I'm gonna allow you to, you know, do your thing and if you wanna call me, you'll call me. And I called him and he said, um, Doing surprisingly well. Single dad, I'm doing really well. I'm working, I'm taking care of my kids. And I go, well, why don't you come on down to the, you know, down here to Bristol where we met you at and share that good news with us, you know, and, you know, spread the love. And um, he said he'd be there Monday. That was Monday before last. I haven't seen him yet. But I won't call him more. I mean, I just call him that one time. That's it. Uh, you know, give him, a, give him a chance to come back. That's, that's what I do. I mean, and, and I don't care about people all my life when I drink. I didn't give a crap what happened to you. I only cared for what happened to me, you know. And, and now I, I care about people. Uh, you know, I, a friend of mine was sharing the other night Wednesday. Man, I wanted to go there. I mean, I'm saying to people, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. I love this guy. I want to hear him, man. Oh, this is awesome. Well, you know, my grandson's got practice at 6. My daughter gets off at 7. He gets off at 7.30. He went out the window, you know, he went to hell in a handbasket. But you know what? I didn't think for it. I just told him, you know, I was there in spirit. That's the best I could do. But what do I do because I'm sober? That's what I do because I'm sober. Because I'm sober, I can't do that. I take my daughter to work. I take my granddaughter to work. I loan my car to the other one to drive to work. I drive an old Dodge right now. Double clutching 46 Dodge, and we're just beating the shit out of each other. So, you know, he was born in 46, and I'm born in 48. We give each other a run for the money, I'll tell you that. But, uh, you know, but I'm sober. I can do that. And, and, and I thought, well, you know, I ain't got a life because we got these kids. But, you know, that is my life. It is my life. And I realized I wouldn't, I wouldn't train up before, and I'd do it again. I would do it again. You know, I married a perfect woman. I told my wife I was going to talk about it because she's a lady. And, and, I'm, and I'm a drunk. You know, so you got a drunk and you got a lady. I'm a sober drunk. So I had to strip the side to me so she kind of got attracted to me, you know. And, and it was like beauty and the beast, you know. It's like, you know, one guy said, nobody calls her beast but me. But no, she's a, you know, she's a lady. I, I went after this lady with all I had, you know. And, uh, and I got surprised. 
I tell her all the time, I know you didn't want to do this. She goes, no, but you wouldn't stop. I go, well, alcoholics don't stop. Don't you know that? Jesus, you show an alcoholic a rub, you move in and punish it. That's what we do. So I punished it, right. I just kept going and kept going, and, uh, and we wound up getting her. She had um, she had uh, some physical troubles when she was working. She had a uh, migraine headaches really bad, really bad, really bad. And uh, I was getting worried about how we were going to make it in life. I was, my job was when I got uh, I became a cook, but I was a food service worker. It takes like an eighth grade education and all it takes for that. You know, I mean, the supervisor was so proud to tell you that. They don't really take an eighth grade education to do this. Well, you know, that wasn't much to them, but it meant a lot to me. So I was unemployable when I got here. If you remember, I said I was a level one. I was a wino while I went to school. I, I dropped out of school. I dropped out of school because I couldn't keep up, because I couldn't, you know, I had all those Fs going. And they weren't going to tell me in 10th grade, you're going to put me back in 9th grade. It's going to happen. I know too much. So I left. You know, and I paid for it dearly. Then you try to get a job, and you got no uh, no experience. You know, now they want experience, and you got no education. But I kept telling my kids, man, you can do two things. You know, you can dig the hole, or you can stand there and tell somebody else how to dig the hole and where to dig the hole. you got a choice. You know, if you go to school, you can be a guy telling them to dig the hole. If you don't go to school, you're going to be digging the hole. And you're going to have a bad back. That's one reason I was out. I got a shoulder operation, two carpal tunnels, and my neck was hurting for four years because of shoveling ash, and I just got hurt there. But I got beat up on that work. But anyway, so so what happens is I, I get to I land this lady, and I'm wondering, what are we going to do? How are we going to get a house? We're paying the rent. We're barely making it. She can't work very much longer. And Lord behold, when the, when the time was right, when the time was right, God opened the door in the sky and said that I worked there. He, uh, he gave me a home. He gave me a house. He gave me a house in Santa Rosa. It was a two-bedroom house, 975 square feet. And I always say my wife is glass. I'm sorry to say, glass and brass that I'm talking with. I just say it that way. You know, she's, she's glass and brass that I'm talking with. And the house was full of furniture, glass, brass, and hardwood. I tell you guys that because God does for us what we can't do for ourselves in a lot of areas. He took care of my uh, physical, my financial situation with a house where I, where I couldn't have done it. Uh, working as a cook wouldn't have allowed me to do that. And he gave us the house. And then when I got the three kids, because God raised the kids, like she says, so I'm raising three of them in a two-bedroom house ain't going to work. we got two boys and a girl, so then I opened the door down here. I could have sold that house and bought a house down here. Four-bedroom house on a half, half acre. Each one had their own bedroom. Plenty of room to rumble. They can run. You go out the back of the yard, yell at each other, scream at the dog. Everything's good. You know, but this, I, I say this because this don't happen when you're sober. You know, I mean, when you're drinking, it don't happen. But when you're sober, you know, God, God opens doors for you. He opens all kinds of doors. We were talking to a lady today. She got her kids back. She gets to, gets to spend nights with the kids. You couldn't even see them a while back. Well, it does so much for so many people that, you know, and it does it for, uh, and it just keeps on doing it. I don't know how we ever, you know, turn our backs on it. I often wonder how, how I ever got drunk after I got sober. But in 1990, I got sober again, okay, and I've never had a drink since because I don't have to, you know, because I come here and I show up. Whether I make any sense to you guys or not, I don't know. But it makes sense to me as I just show up. I do what it says, and it's simple. I care about people. I, I, read, I read with people. I try to do the best I can with people. I pray every day. You know, I have God. And I think it's kind of amazing that I don't care where, where you're at, a level one or a level five, or what you are, spiritual this or that or this or that or that. 
whatever you are. You know what it says before you leave the house? I always ask you to be, be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, and self-seeking motives. That'll give you an idea of what an alcoholic is. And this is everybody. And it ain't talking just to me. It's talking to everybody. You know, to be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, and self-seeking motives. So that must tell you that alcoholics got a little something going down, right? That we have to keep aware of ourselves. We have to keep on top of the situation. That's why we call each other. That's why we talk to one another. It's really easy to get blown up, you know. Anyway, I, I want to read something that I always read at a, at a meeting. I'm going to read it right now because I like it. It says, page 100 if you want to look it up. But if you want to hide anything from an alcoholic, just stick it in the big book, okay? And that, that's where you hide it at. It says, both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have, better than anything than we, have, we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power, and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstances. And I always repeat that last part, no matter what your present circumstances. But I know there's some people here that's gone through some stuff, they've gone through a divorce. The guy that said he was doing so good, he's going through a divorce. That's why I was talking with him and I was asking him, you know, keep in touch and blah, blah, blah. But I knew he was, he was having trouble. And, uh, but he's doing good now. I don't know because I don't talk to him. I don't, he's not talking to me right now. Now, I'm going to read something else here. This is uh, something my sponsor uh, used to do. Okay. Here it is. All right. We were having trouble with personal relationships. This is when we were drinking. All right. We couldn't control our emotional natures. We were afraid of misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. That was me right there. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. That, you know, that's not a good spot to be in right there. That's, that's kind of a not a good place to be. But a lot of us, a lot of us when we were drinking and we couldn't figure out what the hell was going on, what end was up, that's what was going on right there. You know, that's the way we felt. But then the big book, you know, that tells us where we were, but then it tells us where we're going to be. Now, now I've got to find the other half. Okay, here we go. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations we used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. But, you know, when you read those together like that, you realize that's like before and after, you know? And that's what this program is about. Before, I drank. I went to jail. I wrecked cars. I got confused kids. I got ex-wives. I got, you know, I, I couldn't work. All this stuff, you know. All this stuff happened. And then one day I got sober. You know, I walked in. Actually, I bumped into God July 4th, 1980. July 4th, 1980 at 74 Delport Avenue in Santa Rosa in a little apartment building on the ground level. I was in a little bedroom there, barricaded in that room, and it caught on fire. And this room was burning. And I got this 1970 plastic-type furniture in there that's just black. The smoke was just black. The windows were black. You couldn't see. Things were happening. I had a black widow in the jar that got all burned up. That's the kind of stuff I had to on the wall. I was a happy camper, right? Yeah. Real spiritual man. 
real spiritual man. And uh, anyway, so so this thing is happening, and uh, I throw some clothes on it to make the fire go away, and it just gulped it up, you know, just gulped it up. So I drop on my knees to get a little breath of air, just the last breath of air maybe down there with some clothes in the closet. I got on my knees, and I grabbed that clothes, and some reason I jumped up and I yelled, God help me. Okay, this is not a guy that I used to talk to. This is nobody I was hanging with. I wasn't going to church. I wasn't been praying. None of this stuff. I just yelled, God, help me. And it went clear to that building. My voice went beyond the stars, okay? I know exactly where it went because I felt it. It just pierced through there. And in the middle second, he removed four things from me, just like removing a stick. Four of them. Something my dad did, something my mom did, something my brother did, something my sister did. Just removed them. Boom. Just like that. But he did not remove one single thing that Freeman did. Not one iota, and I always wondered why in the hell did he just clean the whole package up right here. I'd come out of that room, I'd be walking on water and say, Praise God, let's go. No, he didn't do that. Because that's your job. That was my job. He left that for us to do. In fact, he, he thought ahead, he even had a book written about it. I think they wrote some steps about it. Now we'll get to the steps in the big book, see? And it says, you know, you take a fierce and, and, and thorough moral inventory, you know, and, and then you share it with another human being. This is where I got rid of my stuff. This is where I got rid of my stuff, and, and, and he allowed me to do that. That was July 4th, 1980. I went to my first meeting, October 26, 1981. And that's why it, that is my birthday, not the 81, but the October 26th, even though I got sober April 22nd. But I don't care about April 22nd. I like October 26th. And somebody got mad at me and said, well, you gave up six months. You gave up six months. I said, who cares? I only got 24 hours. I don't know how long you got. That's all I got. I wake up each day. All I got is 24 hours. Nobody promised me tomorrow. I've been walking around too long to know that I see people with 11 years sober at a gas station, staggering drunk. What happened? Ah, the secretary pissed me off. That's the way we are, man. We're just so thick-skinned, you know. You pissed me off and you got drunk. So I said after that day, I said, I don't, I don't need a whole bunch of chips. I don't need all that. I got an 11 year and a 21. 21 for my granddaughter, 11 year for my daughter. Then she nudged me and said, we'll get one. And that's it. I don't get no more. I don't need no more. I have today. I have today and that's it. And, and if I'm here, chances are I'll be sober. You know, and I'm riding with somebody else, so I really can't tell her to pull over to a bar. I don't think she will. No, I was at one earlier. You know, I walked in there and first said, said, you want to drink? I said, oh, hell yeah. I want to drink. You got any coffee? <laughs> you water? What the hell? You can make the money off of me, man. <laughs> no, I was, I was like, holy Toledo. Where in the hell are you going to sit here? You know, I'm going back outside. Go out. hot out there. Come on in. I go, okay. I'm not really worried about it anymore because the obsession left me. And somewhere along the line when you work the 12 steps about all this knowledge, you go to meetings, you care about other people, you pray every day, uh, you know, you, you read, you, you try to be more, you know, attentive to other people and other things. The obsession just disappears somewhere. It just goes out the window. I don't know where it is. That's the miracle of the program. That's one of the miracles in the, it tells you that in the big book. If you read it, it'll tell you that. It says it's a miracle. You know, it just leaves. And you see people that say you think about drinking all the time at a certain level, then you know they haven't gotten to that point. Somewhere around step nine, it's just fear. So you know if they're working and the promises come in, then that's where it is. And it, and it happens there for a reason. You know, it's all lined up for a reason like that. One to twelve, you know, you just get jump in here and do twelve and do one and thirteen and leave. You know, it just don't work that way. But, um... 
We lost a lot of people, you know. I, I had a buddy that was, uh, he died at 55 years old, but he was sober nine years, man. He was sober nine years. I came home from fishing one day and he drove over. And he says, you know, you still going to that meeting? I'm like, yeah. Is that going to work for me? Nah, not for you. Nah, I said, I said, if it works for me, it always works for me. But we drank together, you know, we, we hung out together. And one time I, I was at a barbecue at his house and I was trying to get him to slow down and drink and tell him to get the hell out. He goes, come on, get away from me. That was on the soapbox. You know, I was on the soapbox. Come on, man, give me a shot. You'll be so happy. And you'll have more money in your pocket. No, I said, he was, you know, he was a good guy. He was a really good guy. I love that man. I used to drive up to Santa Rosa to see him. He came down here to see me. He died at 55, but he was nine years old. He wanted to be 10 years sick so bad, so bad, but he, uh, he passed away at, ten, at nine, and, but he was sober. He, he died sober, really. He died like a man. He paid off his bills, he sold his truck, he sold his hire, he paid off his bills, he left a little money to his niece because he had no kids himself. You know, did everything, lined it all up, I say he died like a man. You know, and, uh, and it was a, a, an honor, because it was kind of funny that the way God works. Uh, I had his check somewhere, and I know I had his first year check, and I wanted to give it to my doctor there. She made it one year. She kept on talking about time, and you know, ten months, thing, nine hours, in the house count. I said, you know, if you got one, I go, why are you so excited if you got one? God sakes, I had three times. Jesus, it's no big deal. You know, it's no big deal. I had three of them. But uh, I couldn't find them, and I had them locked in this thing, and I lost the key few months before his birthday, and, uh, before, and I, I couldn't find that key. I tore the house up and got around. It was like a Tuesday. Her birthday was like Wednesday. I'm tearing the house apart again, and she was in the kitchen there, and I, I opened this drawer. I opened this drawer, and it actually opened it a little further than I had opened it before for some dumb reason, I, but I know why now. God opened it a little further for me, I guess, and it, there it was. There was this little box. I opened it up, and there was that shit. I had that record in my pocket. I had it in my pocket, and the next day was the birthday. He, God's time is exquisite, exquisite. I mean, he's like that choir, you know what I'm saying? He didn't come down there and burst for stuff and way sooner than I needed him. He came at the moment I needed him. At the moment I needed him, when he took that stuff from me, I saw an image cross that window. Across the window that was black, that we just discussed that you can't see out of it because of all the smoke, right? And the curtains were black. And, and I, when I saw that go across there, it went from the left to the right hand side, up, upward. I just broke out that window. I went down the sidewalk there, walked right to the curb without stopping, opened the back door of my mom's car, got in, and off we went. Oh, yeah, those are all miracle stuff. I mean, if you want to get down the basics, what was my mom doing there? Hello. Where was the fire department? Where was the sheriff's department? Where was the landlady? I never talked to one of them. Not one. Everybody knew where I was. I never talked to one of them because I didn't have to. I guess not. Works it out. I probably just told them. Sorry, I got the stamp on this guy. This is the way it is. I don't know what he did. But I mean, when I opened that back door to that car and got my mom's car, that was the only car I would have got in in the whole world. There was nobody I knew or thought of or cared about in my life that I would have got in but at that time because I was in a little bit of a, a little bit of a heightened uh, state of mind at that time. I was not got new with anybody. And there was my mother right there. And she don't come around me when I'm drinking, by the way. And I was on it. That was like the tail end of a three-day run right there. Anyway, drinking, no wife, no kids again. I mean, I'm used to that stuff, right? That's the way it was when I drank. And then you try to patch it up later. I'll never do it again. Huh? Anyway, so 
God's timing is, is, is just, just what I said, you know, it's perfect. It comes, it comes exactly when you need it. When I wanted that chip, I couldn't find it the week before. Couldn't find it the month before. I found it the day before. You know, as I have a daughter sober, it's awesome. Now, I got a daughter in Sonoma County that's sober. She just called me yesterday. She got a six-month chip from a guy named Angelo, who's got 30 years sober. Well, Angelo, I used to, <laughs> I used to sponsor him. 31 years ago, right? When I was in 1981, right? So, I, you know, he was a good buddy and he cooked great pies. That's how I got to know him, you know. I, yeah, we love that stuff. He, he was a baker, you know, and a real good man. And, uh, and, that, and that's why I tell people now at meetings, I say, you know, you've got to be nice to newcomers because you just don't know. They might be your next sponsor. You just don't know, you know. It doesn't matter what you plan to do or don't plan to do. And you, and you guys already know that the best story that you're going to hear tonight is going to be the one that I tell on the way home to myself. But I'll catch all the stuff that I forgot to say here. And then the one in the shower wasn't bad either. That certainly was pretty awesome, man, but I forgot all that stuff. i got to mention one thing here. We're talking about a, uh, a guy, a young man, that's just next to me in a meeting. He's trying to talk to my dad here, and I can't hear him. And, you know, and he's a golfer. So I was going to tell a little golf story. So we advice telling you over there, Chad. At the golf course, of course, I was there, and uh, I saw these three guys who were playing golf. You know, it was who was it? You know, it was, people probably heard this guy's older than thirty, but uh, there was um, it was Moses, Jesus, and this really old guy. You know, they're playing golf. You know, so Moses gets up there and you know he sits on the ball and he whacks that sucker and going over by the pond. You know, and he don't quite cross the pond, but when he goes to hit the water, the pond is just separated like that, it just rolled right through and went up on the, you know, up on the ground. Whoa, you know, not bad. So, Jesus gets up there, you know, and he sets his ball up there, and wham, he takes a whack. And he don't quite make it past the pond either, but it just hits the pond and just skips. So right across the top, he goes up on the ground a little closer to the top, of course, because of Jesus. And, um, then the real old guy, you know, he gets up there and he takes a whack and, and he don't make it across the pond either, but he starts to hit the pond and bird comes down and flies down and he grabs it and takes it up. He's flying over the top over there, gets on the other side of the pond, pulls the lightning came down, hit the ball, knocked it out of it, landed and rolled down into the cup. And Jesus looked over and said, nice shot, Dad. You know, that's, just, that's, that's my talking uh, story for Kurt. A bridge street over there. It's just next to me every morning talking in my deaf ear. I tell him that. He, there used to be a young girl there and she was talking in my ear and he said, well, well, come. I said, well, I'm an old man and she's a young girl. Of course I'm going to let her talk in my ear all she wants. I thought she was just blowing in my ear, you know. But, uh, hey, I'm good. Hey, I'm, I'm old. I'm not dead. I still got a brain left. No, anyway, you know, I got to, you know, thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous and, 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 and the people, you know, if you really want to know a miracle, if you really want to see a miracle, just look around the room. Just look around this room right here and realize, now this is kind of dangerous, man, because it says that your past can divert death and misery for others. Your past, that's right, yours, not mine, but all of ours, okay. Your past can divert death and misery for others. That's pretty heavy if you think about it now. You really want some heavy stuff, but I love heavy stuff, man. I love stuff that just don't make no sense. You know, like you got to surrender. Surrender to win, it makes no sense, right? you got to die to live. Come on. So that's some paradoxes. I love those paradoxes. I, and I got them from a guy in a, in a program, and I asked him, and he said there was like three of them. He had them all lined up. And then I got them from, I go, there's one more paradox. Where's that? I go, well, when Dr. 
silk work here, and that Dr. Bob, there was a paradox right there. Another paradox. But, um, no, I love the heavy stuff. I love what uh, Dr. Silkworth says right at the end, right at the end. If you guys take it home, go home and read that tonight. And read that. It's really heavy. I thought, wow, that's powerful stuff. It's like, after all that stuff he said and seen, and, you know, without, I'm sure he saw some horrible stuff, but he had nowhere to go without knowledge those days, right? Just locked them up. Yeah, really, they were, they were hopeless. They were hopeless. They just locked them up. That was the end of it. You, you had no, uh, what could you do with him? Nothing. Locked you up. It was hopeless. So you got to remember, you got two hopeless people here. So what does God do? Instead of going to the scholars and the, and the great science minds and doctors of the world, he, he went to two hopeless people and gave hope. He gave hope to the hopeless, to a few hopeless people. And, and, and because of that, look around you. All you people are here today. You're all, you're all miracles today, you know. If you woke up, I have to say out at the, right now, where Oak Ranch? Yeah, Oak Ranch, it was a miracle after today. Actually, it was two, two miracles today. Two drunks. Two drunks woke up sober today. And uh, you commenced to stay sober the whole day. Right? I think so. I know I did. How'd you do? Alright. Anyway, so, so that's awesome, you know, and, and, and to know that you guys are here. I got a lot of friends in this room, and I'm not going to mention all the names, because if you start mentioning your names, you got to mention them all. You know, otherwise you'll find them at the gas station, staggering around drunk and say, what happened? Well, he mentioned everybody's name, but he didn't mention mine. And that's the way we are. And I don't want to be that way. You know, um, I know we're laughing and we're having a lot of time, and, and there's a lot of people that are hurting, and maybe some in this room are hurting, but, but I read you something on page 100. If you read that, and, and you believe that, and you have to believe it because it's true. Because that's what Dr. Stilford said at the end of that. He says, you can believe. Read this book. Says, you know, read this book. You can believe what they say here. You know, though they scoff, they may be left to pray. That's the heavy part that I thought about. Whoa, they'll be left to pray. So it's got to be with God. There's going to be a time when it says that no human power, no human power can leave you in your alcoholism. So, you know, we can't just talk it away. We can't just, I can't zap it out of you and, or anything else. But we are there. It is a wee program. We as alcoholics not. One thing my sponsor said is this when you work the twelve steps of alcohol anonymous alcoholics anonymous and you can say we we as alcoholics anonymous. It's a we program. I can't, you can't, but we we can. We can divert death and misery for others. How about that? That's heavy stuff if you think about it. You know, we couldn't do that when we were drinking. I didn't know I said that to my daughter about what kind of help would you be. That sounded pretty goddamn intellectual for a guy that didn't have his GED. Because I didn't have it at that time when I said that, I don't think. So anyway, uh, I thought, damn, that sounded pretty cool, man. I thought maybe she'd have made it up and make it feel good. But, you know, that was awesome. But, you know, when God speaks for you, and, and if you allow yourself to be used, you know, it, it, that's all I asked him tonight when I got here. I said, you know, God, just open, you know, let me open my mouth and you feel it. Cause I can't teach you guys nothing. I don't have, I'm not educated beyond, you know, I'm maybe educated beyond my own intelligence if I'm not careful, but, you know, I really can't uh, do a lot of stuff. I can't tell people this. I'm not scientific. I'm not intellectual. I'm not all that stuff. I'm just a level one guy that used to wall around in the mud drunk that got up and walked upright. Had a job for 20 years. Got his retirement. Got some social security. Got to raise his grandkids for 16 years. Still gets to take him to soccer tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Gets the secretary at meeting at, at 7 o'clock. And to figure that out, that's going to take a miracle. But it's already in the works. I want to say this, you know, faith is something for things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. 
There's a reason for that. I'm not going to get religious on you and tell you why and what that is, but I'll tell you, I'll give you an example of it, okay? Okay, I met a lady at, at work in 1981, December 14th, about 9.20. Okay, that's when I started my job, okay? And uh, this lady, I just met her just briefly because she was there at an interview with me at the same time. And I said, this here no more. About a year or so later, you know, I'm sober, because I got sober in, in 81, and, uh, uh, October 26, 1981, I got the job December 14th, so you can do the math, in like a couple of months there, and then I, you know, I got, my, I got a job, you know. So, uh, I'm working there at the main kitchen in Sonoma County up there, and, uh, I get a phone call, and this lady asked me, he said, are you going to me? And I go, someone said you go to me, and, you know, I go, somebody gave me up, okay? But yeah, I do. She goes, well, there's a lady I'd like to, would you talk to her? She's having trouble drinking. And, and I'm at the main kitchen, because she worked on the unit, so I'm thinking, well, she's scared to say no, okay? I mean, I'm just a rookie, so, I, you know, I was in the beginning, and about a year sober, so I said, yeah. So I'd love to do it, yeah. And then, then it's like, oh, crap, what am I going to do? I'm going to go down here, and I'm going to tell this lady, look, you got a problem with alcohol, she's going to slap me, call the supervisor, they're going to throw my butt out of here, I'm going to be in trouble. You can't tell another person they're an alcoholic. But see, when God takes care of something, the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. Okay, uh, the reason I say that, that was a Friday. So I called the supervisor that, where she worked, blah, 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 blah. She's off for two days. I prayed about it, I let it go. Then come Monday, I'm back to work. Now, I, I got. I, I work in the kitchen. I'm going in the kitchen. Supervisor let me outside. Said you got to take the truck. I don't want to take the truck. Take the truck. You got to do a lot of crap. I don't want to do this crap. You got to do the dishes. You got to wash all these pots and pans. And stuff. I don't want to do that. I'm working. I got a fluff job in the corner there today. Nope. Don't so didn't show up. You're taking the truck. Okay. So I had to take the truck, right? So I take the truck. No, I take the truck. You got two trucks. One and two. Well, this particular truck goes right to the unit with his lady in it. Oh crap. Now I remember what I'm supposed to do. So I'm doing the Lord's Prayer, the Serenity Prayer, and I'm just praying up, you know, in my heart beating, and I'm starting to sweat. And, I, and you've got two things. The truck driver stays down, the guy in the back, which is me, goes up the elevator. That's where she is. I go right up there. 50-50 chance I've got it both times, right? Because I'm the right truck, and I'm at the right unit, and I'm the guy who goes upstairs. So, you know, God makes no mistake. Substance of things hope for, evidence of things not seen. So I walked in there, and I'm scared. It's dark, and I'm pushing this boot cart in there, uh, and I see this silhouette standing over by the sink over there, and she's got her back to me. I'm thinking, oh, this is going to get ugly real fast, right? So I said, but you know, you said you would do it, right? You go to any links. So here you are. You're going to do it. Because you said you would do it. And so I walked over there, and I touched her on the shoulder. She broke down crying. She just started falling, man, and I just said, you know what, everything's going to be okay, we're going to a meeting tonight. So I said, I didn't say you were drunk, they were going to a meeting, and you're still trying to meet you. So what time you get off? So 7.30, I said, well, I get off at 1.30, I'll go get my wife, and we'll be back. And I'll take you to a meeting, and I took her to a meeting. And she died for about 21, 22 years sober. Okay, got to go places, she never got to go. She was a real uh, nervous type lady. She went to Hawaii to the big AA convention. She went to Reno and Vegas with my wife and I. You know, she got to do a lot of stuff. And, and you know, and you look at that, oh, uh, look what I did. No, wait a minute. What did I do? Let's see. I came to work. I made me ride the truck. Somebody asked me to do something I didn't really want to do, but I was scared not to. 
I just touched her, so what happened? What, what, what was the big thing? All God wanted was somebody to touch. Now, the faith substance in faith, uh, a thing called for evidence not seen. The reason I'm saying that now, on Alice Friday, okay, we're going to work there, Sunday night, Sunday night at her house, I get both sides of the story now, because I had a Bible study at my house later, and I shared my side, and then I brought her in to share her side, because not all the time you get to see both sides of a miracle. Okay, to me that was a miracle right there. In progress and it happened. So, she told me on Sunday night, She's doing, you know, what she always does. They, they cook dinner, they're eating with her husband. She goes and does the dishes, and then they're going to go mix drinks and get obliviated. And she didn't want to do it no more. And she just heard a voice that said, you know, why are you doing this? And she went over to the calendar, and she put a big X. You already know that's Monday, right? Because that's when I went back to work, Monday, right? She put a big X on Monday and said, I'm not going to drink no more. On this day, I quit. I don't know how I'm going to do it. She was crying, and she was asking God. So, part of the puzzle is here. The other part already started on Friday. Evidence of things not seen. She got to work. Evidence of things not seen all all appeared there at that time. You know, it all came together and it all made sense. And it had nothing to do with Freeman. It had to do with, with her. She prayed and God answered her prayer. And it just happened that I was the guy that she used just to touch the shoulder. That's all it was. I can't take no credit. I thought about it, I said, you know, you were delivered there. I tried to stay in the kitchen and go, no, you got to go. But that's just, you know, that's just some things that, some things that happen all the time. And I thought, now we don't see it all the time. You know, and when you do see it, it's really hard. It's really hard to neglect the fact that this is how God works. He wants us here to help one another. This is why we give each other our phone numbers. We don't even know why. And then we sit here and we get arrogant and we don't call because we're men. Or we're women. We can handle our own shit. Right? And then one day we find ourselves drinking again. We go, what the hell happened? How did that happen? I was humming along. I was doing so damn good. Because we isolated. We got arrogant. Ego. We had got out. We did all those things, you know. I, I love all those one saying that I hate. I need to get to use half the ones I know. I need to get to use any of them. But sometimes, you know, when I get a little carried away, the one thing he said to me, an Indian guy actually in Sonoma County told me, he says, Friend, come down off the cross, we need to wood. And that's when I knew. Okay, buddy, you didn't do a damn thing. You just show up and do what you can do here. And um, that's why I like about alcoholics now. It's got, it's got all kinds of people here. You've got tall ones. You got short ones. You know, when I was going to do this meeting, the first thing I said, they said, you got to get a 10 minute warm up. Okay, I'm going to pull somebody's cover, man. I said, I'm okay, I'm going to get me a guy shorter than me. I'm going to get a guy uglier than me. And I'm going to get a guy older than me or whatever. Older, uglier, and shorter. So I look tall, handsome, and cool, right? So I picked on a guy that was 55, you know, 6 foot 3 or 4, right? I said to myself, well, hell, two out of three ain't bad, right? <laughs> and then someone said, well, you probably should get a girl since you're a male. And so then I went with my daughter, who gracefully bowed out, and he didn't get mad at it. And, and, and that was cool, too, you know. But, um, yeah, that, that's just the first thought that hit in my mind when they, when they said that. The other one was, you know, I'm not sick of the entertainer. I'm not here to entertain you. I can't really teach you guys anything. I can only tell you the stuff that, you know, what it says here in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is you can believe it. 
It's true. I mean, it, you know, I don't know how they wrote this thing. If you read page 28, line 4, you'll find, you'll find something special right there, man, by itself. It's in there, written there, waiting for me. So I know it's for you, too. But it says, I'll tell you what, it says, all by itself. It says, free man. It says, you'll be in there all by itself. Line 4, it says, free man. Small f, I'll take it. I'll take it. But, uh, you know, it's... It, you know, you come here and you show up, you see people laughing and we're talking, we throw a dollar, we're complaining, we're whining sometimes, oh, pour me, pour me, pour me, pour me another one, you know, but, you know, there's no other better way to go than this right here. Unless you want to stay at home and do like I did, you know, water around the park down there and drink your bottle of wine and watch the world go by. And you hear the guys talking, man, I wish I could have done this or I would have done that or I should have done this. I would have, could have, should have, but never did it. You know, and, and we can look back today and say, yeah, I did it. I don't know what I did. What did I do? I don't know. I got my GED at 60-something uh, years old. I, I raised my grandkids. I got one in the ninth grade. I went from the graduate to the greatest day of my life. He plays soccer. He's awesome. I got a little grandson that kicks the crap out of me watching Mickey Mouse at night. No more Clint Eastwood for me. You know what I mean? And no more Westerns or action-packed movies. I get Mickey Mouse. That's right. That's diggity dog, baby. But, you know, I love it, and he loves me. Why does he love me? You know, he loves me because I'm not that lump on the floor drinking things. Get the hell away from me. Look what you did. Just dump my goddamn wine. Get out of here. No, you know, he loves me, and he trusts me. You know, and, and that's awesome. You know, and, and people trust me. You know, my granddaughter asked something the other day, how are you going to do it? It's simple, bro. Think about it for one minute. When am I letting you down? Oh, I haven't let you down your whole life. So if you need to be somewhere at a certain time, and three other people got to be somewhere else and say, now, I can do it. Because an alcoholic, if you can take an alcoholic, put them on, uh, on two horses, an alcoholic can get on two horses right off in two different directions and damn near make it. That's what we can do when we're sober, man. I mean, we're, we're just awesome. You know, but we just do stuff. You know how to do stuff. And, and, and we can do it because you're sober. There's hope. There's hope. When you're drinking, there is no hope. You, you lose all your options. You know, all your options are out the window. You got one or two. You know, you got the graveyard, you got the rest of your life in jail, or maybe you ought to go to you know, a sanitarium or whatever, hang out there a while, whatever you want to do. But, you know, sober, you got all these options. And you can be at level one and still be happy. <laughs> I don't know that's how you do that. Maybe that we're used to living in the down and out. Anything we get just a plus, right? And we give you a house, hey, that's a plus, baby. You know, um, there's miracles happening all the time. We've been working on a truck for two days or three days. I've been out there beating myself silly, man, trying to get this thing going. And I haven't killed anybody. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't broken windows. I didn't break a wrench. I didn't, uh, I didn't kick the damn light out or anything. These are, all, these are all miracles to me because I don't know how that happens. You know, you just stay sober. You just show up and you just know that, you know, you're not in control of all things, you know. You just got to whatever you're doing. Is that it? I made it. I made it a whole hour. Damn, I was worried I was going to run out of gas, too. Uh, anyway, I'd just, like just like to close with this. You know, you're going to meet some uh, people here, and lifelong people here. And we just got to remember and love and tolerate each other. Cause, you know, I, I say some stuff to me. I don't know if I make sense. But when I want to be smart, I'll just tell somebody, well, you know what, you'll grow into it. I'll say it now, and you'll grow into it later. You'll understand what I meant. Really, there's a reason. All I know is you're going to trust God you know, clean house and show up, you know, suit up, show up and grow up and that's all we need to know. And we can smile, look around you. Look at these people all smiling and clean and everything. 
Thank you very much.